Next Chapter Podcasts. It's fun to get angry sometimes, right? Just turn off your social filters, be your most animalistic self, and righteously scream out the window, fuck you and your mama at anyone that cuts you off in traffic. The thing about that is, as we learned last week on Indecent, is that anger is also kind of addictive. Jesse Dalmore and Brittany Page, host of the I Doubt It podcast, told us all about the hate craving that went on in their white Christian nationalist households growing up. But that kind of hate usually requires somebody to blame for all their problems, especially for right-wing extremists. So here's a little more from Jesse and Brittany. Their story was just so compelling. Of course, we couldn't keep it to ourselves. So tell us a little bit about growing up where you guys grew up. What, looking back now, what was some of the craziest shit you heard being spouted around? Well, when you grow up in a fundamentalist uh, Christian nationalist household that believes that the earth is 7,000 years old, there's all kinds of prophecies that are going to come to pass. There's all kind, you know, the rapture, whether it's pre-tribulation or post-tribulation rapture, where you literally physically believe that Jesus Christ will appear in the sky and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, I mean, it's... Uh, I grew up steeped in conspiracy theories. They're just a, a misinterpretation or a bastardization of the Bible and the, the holy text that they claim to believe. Um, so, so everything was a crazy thing. Every single thing. It's one of the reasons that made it so easy for me to step out or not easy, but eventually step out is if my parents and my support group of adults that surround me, if they're getting the easy shit wrong, so much of the easy shit, how can I rely upon them to get the complex things correct? So it was a nightmare, Kiki. <laughs> it was a nightmare. I think one of the strangest things for me, uh, at least one of the strange things that, that people respond to, and that is now a red flag for me whenever I see it on someone's social media profile, is if anyone has a still from the movie They Live in their profile, that's a red flag. And that is because growing up, we were told, well, we were shown They Live, which is a movie starring Roddy Piper, I believe. And in the movie he puts on these sunglasses and he can see uh, aliens when he has the sunglasses on and he can see that the society is being controlled by the aliens, that the billboards are aliens, that, you know, people in power are aliens, but only when he has the sunglasses on. And this was used as like an instructional documentary in my childhood home to illustrate how Jewish people control everything. So Jewish people were the aliens and they were on the billboards and they were on TV and they were controlling everything. So anytime you see someone on social media with a Roddy Piper wearing his sunglasses, red flag. Is that what that movie was intended to be used for? I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea, but it, it definitely is being used that way. Oh, you, you were talking also about like the rapture and like bringing about end times. I always find that curious because I'm like, if you really do think that that's the goal is to bring about end times, bring about the second coming of Christ, then it would make sense why people aren't concerned about climate change, right? Because, yeah, if the end is coming, then that's great. We, we did what we had to do here. Well, why would you care about anything? Why would you care about taking care of the poor, which was a charge put to, to humanity by Christ? Uh, why would you care about anything? Because you're just waiting. You're just sitting around twiddling your thumbs, waiting for Jesus to come back. 
you're it's it's a death cult. It's it's absolutely definitionally a death cult. When you talk about where you grew up, um, I mean, I'm sure it was challenging for the obvious reasons, but on top of just like the hateful surroundings, I mean, like, was your day to day just like like challenging for you just like as a person, like the things that you wanted to be doing? Like, did it restrict your freedoms and your ability to like be a self-actualized person? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was definitely difficult growing up in, in my household. It was very chaotic. There was a lot of violence. There was a lot of instability. I became a parentified child where I was, you know, kind of caretaking my younger siblings, caretaking my mom, trying to hold things together. It was, it was very stressful. So I think I could have very easily gone the other way as it were, you know, if I hadn't encountered people who took their time with me, who ensured that I didn't end up going down that path because it would have been, it would have been easy. And I don't think it would have signaled anything necessarily wrong with me um, because people are more likely to just repeat cycles when you're born into a cycle. That's, that's what we do. We repeat the cycles we're born into and it takes kind of pulling someone out to ensure that it doesn't continue. So do you talk to your mom now and how does she feel about what you do? I do not. No, I haven't talked to her for 10 years and it's not just political. There's many other things that are involved in there, primarily just safety and my own boundaries and protecting my own mental health. Um, But no, I haven't talked to her for 10 years. And my dad died last year, died by suicide last year uh, after getting out of prison. He had been in prison for 16 years. And uh, about at the year mark after he had been released, he he died by suicide. So um, when I tell people these things, you know, a common response is like, I'm sorry to hear that or, you know, it makes people uncomfortable. But I've done a lot of work on myself, on my story in order to reconcile a lot of these pieces. And ultimately, it's a good thing that my my dad is no longer on the planet because he, you know, there was a risk of him hurting people. So um, I, I know that there are sad elements to the story and it can be tragic. But, you know, ultimately, I think everybody has elements to their story that are sad and tragic and things that they've had to overcome. And neither of us are unique in that way. I'm no, I'm not religious anymore, um, and I'm a liberal, um, and even worse, you know, a, a Bernie Sanders kind of liberal, uh, extra extra heinous. And I hate liberty, even though liberty and freedom and and those types of of, of uh, ideologies I, I still adhere to and 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 believe very strongly. And I just believe that they come from a different source. So no, no contact and happily. So I'm, I'm a healthier, happier person having not had contact for so many years. It's toxic. It does feel though, that it's gotten so extreme on both sides, right? Like, like as, as AOC blossoms, so did Marjorie Taylor green, which is like America's fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Why does somebody like her? First of all, where does she come from and why does she thrive? Uh, she comes from Georgia. <laughs> so she comes from the depths of QAnon. She, there's a certain flavor of American, and I'll only speak about America because I'm, you know, I'm a dumb American who doesn't know about anything outside of the borders of the country. People feel powerless. 
And in order to feel like they have more power, they gravitate towards secret knowledge, knowledge that no one else has. And I can interpret the cue drops. And that's what she was. She was one of these people we that I've done multiple videos on YouTube about her and, and played footage of her talking about how Q is a patriot. We know that for sure. She's talked about 9-11 being an inside job. She's talked about um, just a host of insane conspiracy theories, some of which the audience for sure has, has heard, like the, the Jews have lasers stationed in space to fire down on California and create horrific life-ending forest fires, environment uh, environmental disasters. But she also believes things like the Democrat Party being chock full of pedophiles and people who are murdering children. It just it's because of her powerlessness and her powerlessness, I believe, in her case, her specific case, is based on the fact that she's a fucking dumb shit who who can't scratch together two rational thoughts when they're presented to her. Yeah. I, and I think something that we've talked about on other episodes here is what's concerning is that these views did used to be limited to like a tabernacle, but now they are finding ways to make them cool and not cringe, right? Whether it's through music or comedy or, uh, you know, they, they are finding their pop culture sector. And that's kind of concerning because we don't even notice it's happening sometimes. Well, also the internet now is, you know, I, I don't know if everybody knows, but the internet is a thing and we are <laughs> able to communicate with one another across vast distances immediately. So people of like mind can now find each other and and build upon their conspiracism and their racism and their hatred and and strategize on how to divide even more. So it's it just it's it's a tool that's being used, um, you know, for evil. I mean, I do want to hear more about how you guys grew up. But before we go there, like it's just we don't hear stories like this very often. Like I sometimes feel like the Republican side is a lost cause. Like they're done. There's nothing you can do for them. You know, if, if the brainwashing goes so deep. Stories like this are so unique and so unheard of. Why do you think what made you both different that you were able to break out of it? Because, like, for example, I grew up poor, but I was very lucky that I had parents that always taught me to think you don't have to be poor. You can you can get out of here. You can go to college. You can make your money like th this is not the end for you. But not everybody who's poor grows up that way. For most people who grow up poor, like this is it, you know, or like the drug dealer is the guy that has the most money. So I'm going to go do what the drug dealer does. So when you grow up in like kind of a cult, how what do you need to have internally to help you break out of that? I think you hit on it uh, early on in, in what you were describing there when you mentioned luck. And it's something that we talk about a, a lot, actually. And, you know, I we interviewed a, a philosopher who believes that everything is luck, like 100 percent, everything you can attribute to luck, like even your ability to work hard is luck. <laughs> so I, I don't know if I'm all the way there, but I will say that a lot of our life outcomes are due to luck. I, I don't like to talk about like internal things that are unique about me because I'm not sure there's anything unique about me or necessarily unique about Jesse or unique about people that can come out of these situations. But I was young. That's a huge part of it. People got to me when I was young. I think it's certainly different when you're talking about an adult that is immersed in a cult-like situation. And it's going to be more difficult to get someone like that out, I think. But 
Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel lucky to have encountered people along the way who came to me and said, like, let's let's work with you on this and ensure that you can get out. And of course, we can't forget public uh, policy, things like Pell Grants and, um, you know, allowing me to go to college and get an education. Now, I did have a mom who was a single mom raising four kids who felt it was very important that we get our education. And she would always say, look at my life. You know, I, I'm stuck here with four kids. I'm struggling to raise you guys. Um, I don't want my life to be like this. And so that was a really, uh, that was a teaching moment where it was like, wow, I, if I want to get out of here and I, I don't want to have my life be like this, I need to get a degree. I need to get an education. And luckily I had a pathway to do that. And I think that's why we talk about luck a lot. That's why we talk about the myth of meritocracy, because I mean, that's, that's what we're all told is the American dream that regardless of where you are born into what, whatever social station it is, whatever socioeconomic status you're born into, you can be whatever you want. This is America. And what they don't tell you is, is that that's not true. And that in order to get up that ladder, in order to climb it, you need help you need other people, you need community, you need a strong social safety net. You need these things that the Republican party tells you that you shouldn't rely on, that you should do it yourself. But what happens is, and I mean, this is what we're, we're trying to build like class solidarity when we talk about these issues, because a, a poor conservative has a lot in common with a poor liberal. If only they would, you know, see the class solidarity between them And it really is a form of indoctrination that we've all been fed through school at a very young age. And it takes kind of unlearning and relearning the realities of the world to escape it. And it is an organized strategy on the part of Republicans. If you look at what's taking place right now, just recently with the student loan debate, that's paying you just take responsibility, pay your debts. However, so many Congress people, so many rich Americans took advantage of PPP loans and had hundreds of millions of dollars just forgiven out of the blue magically but that's okay for them because they're business people if you're a poor student and for those in your audience who probably don't believe this it's not rich people who are taking out student loans it's poor people who are deserving and underserved they know fuck you you have to just live with it pay your debt Subscribe, rate, and review Indecent with Kiki Anderson everywhere you get your podcast. Follow the show at Indecent Kiki on Instagram. Follow me at It's Kiki Anderson. Email the show at IndecentThePod at gmail.com and come back next week for more Indecent, where NSFW meets LMAO. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Next Chapter Podcasts.